Coming up on We Talk News this week, expect the U.S. Senate to take up federal legalization of weed by the end of April. New Mexico's first weekend of adult use sales breaks records for an opening of a new state's market. The city of Philadelphia has reversed its medical marijuana policy, but that's Philadelphia, Mississippi. Who knew? Washington State strikes out the M word and replaces it with the word cannabis in all state laws. And will other states follow now? And finally, cows chill out on hemp in their food. So says a federally funded study. Wait, federal funding for cannabis hemp research? Only in America on We Talk News next. We are pro-cannabis media. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Weed Talk News. I'm Elena Pinto reporting for Pro Cannabis Media. The state of federal cannabis in the United States is now in the hands of the Senate. Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says he and his colleagues are reaching out to Republican senators to see what they want included in a bill to federally legalize marijuana, which Schumer plans to introduce later this month. Simultaneously, the Moore Act just passed the House and now awaits discussion in the Senate as well. So between the two separate bills, we should expect to see some kind of discussion about cannabis on the Senate floor by the end of April. But at the same time, the White House won't say for sure what its stance is. This week, Press Secretary Jen Paskey was unable to say whether the president supports the Moore Act, only telling reporters that Biden, quote, agrees that we need to rethink our approach to cannabis. So let's take a closer look at what's happening in Washington, D.C. this week. Here's Vote Pro Podcast's Phil Adams. Hi, I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast, and this is the Weed Talk News D.C. Report. The Drug Enforcement Administration has acknowledged that cannabis seeds are considered legal hemp and therefore not controlled under Schedule 1. Responding to an inquiry from Shane Pennington, an attorney at Vicente Setterberg LLP, the DEA affirmed that since the enactment of the 2018 Farm Bill, any parts of the cannabis plant that don't exceed 0.3% THC are excluded from the Controlled Substances Act. Pennington, who has a record of litigation against the DEA on an array of drug policy issues, said, quote, I'm hopeful this will clear up a lot of confusion in this area of the law. Lawmakers in the District of Columbia voted down a measure this week that would have made it easier for D.C. residents to purchase cannabis legally. Sponsored by District Council Chairman Phil Mendelson, the bill was designed to allow D.C. residents 21 and older to self-identify as medical cannabis patients without requiring a doctor's authorization. The bill would also crack down on the practice of gifting cannabis to customers who buy other products and services as a way of circumventing the ban on adult use cannabis sales. In 2014, a rider was added to the federal appropriations bill that banned legal cannabis sales in DC. That rider has been renewed every year since then. $3.7 billion in cannabis sales tax revenues was collected last year in states where adult use is legal. That represents a 34% increase from 2020, 
That's according to a report put out this week by the Marijuana Policy Project. The report is an addendum to one released in January, which looked at total recreational use cannabis sales tax revenues from all legal states since 2014. Over that period, the MPP estimates, a total of $11.2 billion has been collected. MPP's president and CEO, Toy Hutchinson, called these figures, quote, further evidence that ending cannabis prohibition offers tremendous financial benefits for state governments. That's the Weed Talk News this week from D.C. I'm Phil Adams from Vote Pro Podcast. In your state-to-state roundup, New Mexico residents welcomed legal weed with open arms during the first weekend of the open recreational market. Adult use sales surpassed $4.5 million last weekend, with more than half of those sales happening in one day, setting a new record for a state's opening market weekend. In Delaware, efforts for adult use legalization may be back in the works. A legalization bill fell narrowly short on the House floor last month, but the representative who crafted the bill has a new two-track approach to first legalize possession and then pass separate legislation to regulate cannabis sales. New tentative support for the latter measure from the House Speaker could potentially push things along. And the city of Philadelphia has opted out of medical marijuana. That's Philadelphia, Mississippi, though. The state approved a medical marijuana measure in January, a year after voters approved an initiative that was struck down by the state Supreme Court. But this week, the city's leaders decided overwhelmingly to opt out of participating in the legal medical market. So sticking with the South, let's check in with Heather Allman for this week's Florida Report. It's time for the weekly Florida report from We Talk News. I'm Heather Allman with Canvas Law Report. Florida may see a 420 miracle this year as Miami's first medical cannabis dispensary might finally be allowed to open. In the six years since the Sunshine State legalized medical cannabis, not a single dispensary has opened within the Miami city limits. For years, eligible patients have been prescribed a medical marijuana card from any number of doctors in the city, despite having to go to another municipality to fill that recommendation. And believe me, it is not from a lack of entrepreneurial interest, but a conflict that dates back to 2019 about whether the state's constitutional amendment legalizing medical cannabis trumps the federal ban on cannabis. The city denied California entrepreneur Romy Chadhari the certificate of use permit he needed to open. And for the past three years, two of his entities have been embroiled in a legal dispute with the city, which cites that cannabis is listing as a Schedule I controlled substance under the federal CSA is justification for denying those permits. In 2021, the city's Volunteer Planning and Zoning Appeals Board voted in favor of Chadhari and overturned the city's decision because no part of the city code specifically bans or limits dispensaries, which is a state requirement, before it can be enforced. Miami zoning director appealed the board's finding, and the appeal was put on hold and put in federal court. The federal court, however, promptly kicked it back down to the county level last fall, ruling the city had failed to act under the provisions of Florida law by, you guessed it, not writing a specific ordinance that regulates or bans medical cannabis dispensaries. This is the crux of the issue at its core. But finally, things might change next week when this dispute between Canvas and the city comes to a head at the Miami Commission's next regularly scheduled meeting on April 14th, only six days before the 420 celebrations commence. 
Let's hope Miami patients can indeed celebrate this cannabis holiday within their own city limits. In other news, we saw two major moves from TrueLeave this week. Over the weekend, they became the first cannabis MSO to enter the metaverse with their 420 for All NFT collection. It's currently being sold on the OpenSea Marketplace, and the initial offerings began April 2nd, exactly 420 hours prior to April 20th, the nationally recognized cannabis holiday. Each NFT includes an illustrated hand raised supporting cannabis accessibility and social justice, with each hand holding a different cannabis product, celebrating the diverse cannabis community and culture. All proceeds from the 4.20 for all NFT collection will be donated to the Last Prisoner Project, who's helping free over 40,000 individuals still in prison for nonviolent cannabis convictions. And speaking of that, our final story is about TrueLeave, who also recently announced an exclusive partnership in Florida with Delicioso LLC to become the exclusive producer, retailer, and processor of Delicioso branded products throughout the state. With Flamingo Kush by Delicioso pre-rolls launching on April 15th. Delicioso is a Florida-based cannabis brand founded by Rick and Richard Delisi. Richard is one of the longest-serving nonviolent cannabis prisoners in the U.S. history, having served 32 years of a 90-year sentence. So this agreement to legally sell cannabis marks a monumental and full-circle moment for him. Like Julie, the Delicioso brand is also committed to donating a portion of its sales to nonprofits, including the Last Prisoner Project, an organization who was instrumental in securing Delisi's release in December 2020. That's a wrap for the We Talk News Florida Report. With high hopes for Miami, I'm Heather Allman from Cannabis Law Report. In Washington State, a local school district has received more than a quarter of a million dollars in grant funds for tobacco and cannabis prevention and education over the next five years. The funding goes toward educational resources for Hispanic and Latinx students and families regarding cannabis and tobacco prevention. Josh Kincaid has much more from Washington State this week. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge with the Washington State Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Washington lawmakers say it's pejorative and racist to use the term marijuana. Anti-drug activists often use the word marijuana in a negative way, and the media and government officials also turned it against people of color, including Mexican immigrants and jazz musicians. Recently, tipping at restaurants has also been called racist and gyms have been labeled as fascists. And now alternatively, some historians are raising concerns about the effort to call marijuana racist. Opposition to the narrative states that the stories about smoking cannabis leading to madness and violence didn't actually originate in the U.S., according to Isaac Campos, a professor of Latin American history who studied cannabis history. Campos goes on to say that the propaganda was first printed in Mexican newspapers, and it was the Mexican government that ended up outlawing the drug first nearly 20 years before the U.S. did. U.S. media reprinted anti-cannabis stories from the Mexican press, and as immigrants move north, they carry negative stories about cannabis with them. Regardless of the negative origins, Governor Jay Inslee recently signed a bill striking the word marijuana from the text of all state law. The measure says to use the word cannabis instead. The effort in Washington is part of a national movement to retire the word. Earlier this year, Maine and Virginia also introduced bills about striking the word marijuana from their laws. Let us know in the comments if the words marijuana or stoner strike a nerve with you. But with that, we're going to have to roll up this Washington State Cannabis Report. I'm Josh Kincaid from the Talking Hedge reporting for Weed Talk News. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.
a California senator is looking for reform for medical marijuana. The Senate Business and Professions Committee has passed a new bill which would restore voter-created access to medical cannabis across the state by requiring cities to provide consumers access to purchase medicinal cannabis. The bill now heads to the Senate Governance and Finance Committee. And with that, here's Christopher Smith with this week's California Report. Greetings from the most fabulous left coast. This is the California Roundup for Weed Talk News. A few months ago, legendary California dispensary Harborside announced that it was merging with dispensary Urban Leaf and grower manufacturer Loud Pack to form a new entity called Statehouse. So there have been several high-profile mergers and or acquisitions in the U.S. and Canadian markets over the last few years, and this one let us know that California was now experiencing its own period of consolidation. Now, Urban Leaf's major competitor in the San Diego area, called March and Ash, has announced it's combining with Santa Rosa-based manufacturer Canacraft to form Groundwork Holding, Inc. Canacraft is a company with roots in the legacy market, and produces Farmer and the Felon brand, which benefits the last Prisoner Project, among others. You'll hear a lot about the $4 billion in cannabis tax revenues that companies allegedly trucked to various tax collection agencies, in cash, of course, because the man in Washington doesn't want to allow normal banking activities for cannabis companies. The man in Washington doesn't see a problem with billions of dollars in cash moving around our communities, which most people would consider a public safety problem. But I digress. What too few people seem to ask is, what's all that cannabis tax money doing for the American people? Well, here's a little, bit, little bitty taste of the potential for all of our hard-earned cash. From Orange County, California, the tax money that Santa Ana officials collect from sales at licensed cannabis businesses citywide has funded the $884,000 upgrade of Santa Ana's main public library, now featuring a children's patio with a play structure and outdoor reading areas. And guess what? There's an additional $2.7 million left to be used, along with a new policy that dictates that no less than 50% of the cannabis fund goes to youth services every year. And finally, if you want to rent a new Airbnb for a weekend, or perhaps a wedding, you can now rent Sonoma Hills Farm an idyllic Northern California farmstead that produces world-class cannabis alongside a spacious culinary garden using regenerative farming practices. Guests will not have access to the cannabis grown on the farm, but will have access to hemp, the low THC cousin of marijuana, and will also learn about regenerative farming practices, which are like organic farming times 10, what some say is the only way to protect our precious farmland and topsoil. This is an interesting potential getaway that has real appeal. According to Forbes, a 2020 report found that 29% of all active leisure travelers and 18% of all Americans want to do cannabis-related activities on vacation. And I'm Christopher Smith, publisher of the American Cannabis Report, bringing you great news about a big new company, a buffed-out library and millions of dollars for kids, and a regenerative farm Airbnb, all because of California cannabis. For Weed Talk News. The lines between legal and illicit cannabis markets in Michigan apparently aren't so clear. 
it seems state regulated legal companies are beginning to blur the lines when it comes to gifting cannabis products and holding marketplace events that are historically illegal. With much more, here's Michigan Normal Executive Director, Rick Thompson. Good day, everyone. This is the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. Let's begin. This week, a new program was launched at the Marijuana Regulatory Agency. Monthly reports summarizing the enforcement actions taken by the agency against licensed cannabis companies are now being published. And a quick look at March's summary reveals most of the fines were issued for incorrectly displaying product by using non-conforming package types. CCG Holdings from Baldwin received two fines of $2,000 each. Stateside Wellness was also hit with a $2,000 fine for improperly labeling cannabis products in the store. And True North Collective was hit with a pair of $250 fines for discharging reverse osmosis backwash into a Great Lakes watershed, namely a marsh connected to the Grand River. Well, that all seems like small stuff compared to Thrive Enterprises fines from last month, a total of $250,000 to be paid for allegedly trying to trick the MRA into allowing a transfer of license from one party to another. Pharmaco last month was ordered to get rid of several owners who are banned for life from owning cannabis entities in Michigan and were forced to pay tens of thousands of dollars in penalties for delivering cannabis to liquor stores and non-medical cannabis consumers in Detroit. Speaking of Detroit, they finally passed their new adult use cannabis business ordinance in the Motor City. There are two types of licenses contained in the new rules, limited license types and unlimited license types. Unlimited licenses businesses include cultivation and testing and transport companies. Limited license types include social consumption lounges, micro businesses, and cannabis retailers. Legal challenges are expected against the limited license type category, just as the previous ordinance was challenged in court and lost. But this ordinance contains severability, meaning if courts determine that the scoring method used for cannabis retailers is found unconstitutional, the unlimited license types will still be okay to operate. Now that's a huge advantage for those customers like Chris Weber and Al Harrington, who are currently cultivating or have broken ground on new construction for mega cannabis farms in the D. During Tuesday's hearing of city council, many residents expressed feelings that the city would be overrun by cannabis companies whose opportunities for growth were expanded by council, but whose responsibility for financial assistance to the city's struggling nonprofits has been diminished by that very same council. Unlimited adult use license types will begin the application process on April 20, but the limited licenses will take some time beyond that date before the city is ready to accept those applications. Now, final story. This past weekend was Hash Bash Weekend in Ann Arbor. There were four large events, the bash itself, the 20-year-old Monroe Street Fair, the Hash Bash Cup, and the Great Lakes Expungement Network's Treasure Map Adventure. All four events went off quite well, despite a one-hour delay in starting the hash bash due to an electrical failure, which was corrected by the University of Michigan's campus staff. Featured at the bash this year was the state's Attorney General, Dana Nessel, 
who directed her comments at the growth of the state's regulated marketplace and the need to protect medical cannabis patients from discrimination. This year's Monroe Street Fair was expanded to include Tappan Avenue. The Hash Bash Cup offered national music acts and the state's most respected cannabis competition. And the treasure map contest found several hundred people visiting a, a dozen different Ann Arbor cannabis friendly locations to collect stamps and complete their map. Winners in that contest were drawn randomly this week during the Jazz Cabbage Cafe television show, which can be seen on Pro Cannabis Media's Roku channel. All in all, a fantastic weekend of fun and cannabis consumption in the nation's de facto cannabis capital, Ann Arbor, Michigan. And that's it for the Michigan Report with Rick Thompson on Weed Talk News. On the other end of the country, lawmakers in Massachusetts are also weighing reform options. A formal session will address 33 filed amendments from senators ranging from technical contract tweaks to potency limits and advertising restrictions. So let's check in with Ron Marshall C. with more of this week's Massachusetts Report. I'm Ron Marshall C. with the Massachusetts Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. The mayor of West Springfield wants to lift the ban on the sale of recreational marijuana in his community. The mayor tried this in 2018, but he only had one city councilor vote yes to allowing recreational marijuana shops in West Springfield. This time, he has three co-sponsors. Mayor Reichelt hopes the cannabis ban comes to a vote by July. Cannabis-infused seltzer Levia will be bringing a new seasonal flavor, Mellow Mule, to Massachusetts shelves. With 420 fast approaching, the Levia team decided to embrace the cannabis holiday with a gingery lime twist. Matt Melander, co-founder of Levia, was quoted as saying, We've gotten a great reception from our previous cranberry lime, pomegranate punch, and orange blossom cans, and look forward to continuing to deliver fun and innovative experiences. This ginger and lime combination is supposed to leave customers feeling refreshed, focused, and bubbly. And finally, Truly will be having a grand opening for their new Framingham location this Saturday, April 9th. The grand opening will include executive meet and greets, live brand activations, giveaways, food trucks, all-day in-store promotional offers, and more. Also, True Leave is partnering with Dr. Marion McNabb's team at the Cannabis Center of Excellence to support the nonprofit's ongoing medical cannabis research. That's this week's Massachusetts Cannabis Report. For Weed Talk News, I'm Ron Marshallsey. Bay State Cannabis Report is supported by Holyoke Cannabis, Holyoke's finest cannabis recreational experience. New Jersey is looking to get more people involved in the budding business of legal weed. This week, Stockton University hosted the state's largest legal weed and networking event, which also offered on-site expungement of records and legal advice. Jill Goldsbury has much more from New Jersey this week. I'm Jill Goldsbury with this week's New Jersey Report for Weed Talk News. In Somerset County, they're on track to open their very first medical marijuana dispensary amid the mixed reaction from many local residents. Middle Valley Partners CEO, cannabis advocate, and attorney Sarah Trent will appear before the planning board on April 27th to propose a dispensary on Route 202. Middle Valley Partners received their approval from the New Jersey Cannabis Regulatory Commission back in December to open the first dispensary. In other news in and around New Jersey, the New Jersey townsfolk are attempting to block legal cannabis sales. 
when the 2020 New Jersey referendum making recreational cannabis sales legal was voted on, they weren't expecting this. In picturesque Princeton, 75% of the town's residents voted in favor of legal weed sales. However, when the Princeton's Cannabis Task Force recommended opening three dispensaries in the town, that's only 18 square miles, more than 50 people sounded off for over four hours. And most of those who spoke did not want weed anywhere nearby their town. Towns like Pennington, Livingston, and Hoboken, where legal marijuana won wide voter support, but where local officials banned cannabis businesses anyway. Town leaders say they were motivated more by caution rather than residents' complaints. Officials like Hoboken Councilman Mike Russo expressed his concern for the situation and called the body's move to limit weed shops, retail outlets as backtracking. You can't say you're for cannabis and turn around and say you don't want it here, said Russo. At Pro Cannabis Media, we agree with that. I'm Jill Goldsberry, and this is the New Jersey Report for Weed Talk News. And for the rest of this week's Weed Talk News, here's Pro Cannabis Media founder, Jimmy Young. Thanks, Elena. Great working with you. I'll take it from here. So do you remember a few weeks ago on Weed Talk News, we told you how Mike Tyson's new edible line was in the shape of a human ear? Of course, that ear had a bite taken out of it, but it still looked like a human ear. That is a big no-no in Colorado. According to the cannabis laws in Colorado, medical cannabis edibles cannot be shaped like humans or human body parts. So Mike's Bites, which are selling like hotcakes in California, will be turned into the shape of a letter T for Tyson, just in Colorado. Now it's time for the latest in the world of big cannabis business and the publicly traded companies. Here's the Green Market Report's Deborah Borchardt. This is the business update for Weed Talk News from the Green Market Report. New Mexico is now the 18th state to legalize the sale of adult-use cannabis, and those sales began last Friday. The state reportedly sold $5 million worth of product by the end of the first weekend. Tilray Brands reported third fiscal quarter revenue increased 23% to $152 million, but that fell from the second quarter's revenue of $155 million and it slightly missed revenue estimates. Now, the company also reported a net income of $52 million. However, this net income improvement was almost entirely through accounting magic that kind of turned falling stock prices into net income. The Green Organic Dutchman reported that in 2021, their revenue rose 146% to $39 million. But the company also reported that they had a net loss for the year of $43.5 million. And more troubling was the company's auditors saying that the accumulated deficit had gotten to $487 million. And so the company remains a going concern. And this has been your business update. I'm Deborah Borchart from the Green Marker Report. The next state in the legalization battle will be Maryland. This week, House legislators there okayed the addition of a ballot question in the fall elections that will ask about legalization of cannabis for adult use. Now, if it passes, sales are expected to begin in July of 2023. It was 2015 when cannabis was decriminalized in Maryland. 
and in Baltimore, arrests for cannabis possession and other crimes is way down. Maryland state attorney stopped prosecuting cannabis crimes in 2020, and in 2022, only one person was arrested so far for carrying 10 milligrams or one-third of an ounce. No such problem in Vermont, where the Green Mountain State continues to move forward with their legal adult-use market. Here's our Vermont correspondent, Jessie Lynn Dolan, with the latest from her state. I'm Jessie Lynn Dolan from Nurse Grown Organics and Vermont Cannabis Nurses, and this is the Weed Talk News Vermont Report. The Cannabis Control Board met this week to formally adopt Rules 3 and 4. They also reviewed and voted on staff recommendations on licensed pre-qualification applicants. Activists are turning their attention to Bill H-548, a piece of supposed cannabis cleanup legislation, which tragically ignores some of the reforms put by the Cannabis Control Board themselves. Folks are now asking the legislator to restore the reforms on THC caps, reform the potency and packaging limits for edibles, and include both a nursery and a limited online retail license. The Vermont Growers Association is hosting a spring seed giveaway in April, raffling off seeds every Monday of the month. April 12th, there's a vote on whether to allow cannabis retail in Essex Junction, and April 13th, there's a revote in Castleton. That's the Vermont Report for Weed Talk News. I'm Vermont's cannabis nurse, Jessie Lynn Dolan. Earlier in Weed Talk News, Elena told you the story about Philadelphia, Mississippi, a small town in that southern state that has banned the new legal medical marijuana initiative. Who knew there was a Philadelphia in Mississippi? I know I didn't, but I knew that our Pennsylvania correspondent, Claudia Post, did. Here's the latest from the Keystone State. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'm here in the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, reporting for Weed Talk News. Last week, the Senate Banking and Insurance Committee voted unanimously to move SB 1167, or the Safe Cannabis Banking uh, Law, out of committee. This includes a 280E provision. Now what's 280E of the Internal Revenue Code? It prohibits taxpayers who are engaged in the business of trafficking certain controlled substances from deducting typical business expenses. This is a huge win for our industry. So that's great. Now back in Pennsylvania, or as I like to say sometimes in the middle, Pennsylvania, we have a state Senator Judy Ward, who is an ill-informed civil servant. She expressed concerns about the recent Senate Law and Justice Committee hearings regarding the legalization of recreational marijuana. Erroneously, she believes there are many consequences of legalizing marijuana, such as it being addictive, which can trigger dependency and withdrawal symptoms. I mean, does this woman know that many, many major teaching hospitals, universities have divisions within them now studying marijuana, the woman needs to read, okay. She also believes it pulls a person's risk for developing an opioid addiction and it comes with more crime and DUIs. Wake up, Judy baby. People have been driving high for a lot of years. Marijuana laws in PA are among the most severe in the country and honestly, I didn't know that, despite 
the majority of voters supporting legalization and regulated sales. 62% of likely voters in Pennsylvania support the legalization and sale of recreational marijuana. However, under current state law, those found in possession face up to 30 days of imprisonment or a fine of $500 for 30 grams or less. In Philadelphia, however, we decriminalized in 2014, but our city has yet to legalize it. I ask why. Possession of 30 grams or less for personal use comes with a fine of $25 and don't smoke out in public places or you'll get a fine of $100. Being caught with a larger amount can result in arrest and jail time. No kidding. We are criminalizing people. We are wasting taxpayers' dollars by incarcerating people for something that's less harmful than alcohol. That's a wrap from Pennsylvania. I'm Claudia Post from Scarlet Express, and I'll be back next week to talk about what's hot and what's not in Pennsylvania. So from We Talk News, have a great week. If you enjoy edibles in Oregon, you should make sure that you check the labels for a lot of reasons. Now, that state is allowing the edibles there to have higher THC potency with some restrictions. The serving size is now doubling from 5 milligrams to 10 milligrams with up to 100 milligrams per package. With the latest of what's going on in the state of Missouri, here's We Talk News, Brandon Jones. Yeah, Jimmy, edibles are really taking off here in the state of Missouri, too. They're really changing the prices, bringing them down. It's a big thing that's happening here in the state of Missouri is a lot of prices are being dropped here just because of more and more dispensaries opening across the state. Uh, some places are getting even $20 eights and $20 gummies, if you can believe that. But if, if you know me, I'm more of a flower guy. But again, I'm Brandon Jones from Distribution Maven with the Missouri Cannabis Support for We Talk News. My first story today actually comes out of the St. Louis Dispatch. Uh, there was a big rally in Jefferson City, Missouri uh, last Thursday. I was actually got to go uh, hang out and see all the people talking about how we can get more access to cannabis, seeing how we can get it to veterans, how we can get it to low, act, low income people, and just figuring out a way to get more access. But the big thing is the Cannabis Freedom Act did pass with a five to four vote, but they added a horrible, horrible, horrible amendment that said minorities and transgender women were not allowed in access to the interest-free loans for their businesses, which I don't understand at all. And most people that are behind this act don't either. They kind of think it's basically a little spite to try to get the bill to not pass. But we're still very hopeful that the bill will pass and we'll try to get that expungement changed or amendment changed as fast as we can before it actually passes the next vote. And my second story is talking about sales. If you can believe it, last month here in the state of Missouri, sales reached over $30 million just for the month. It's up to nearly $1 million a day here in the state of Missouri in cannabis sales. Things are only growing and getting faster here. More dispensaries are open with over 188 already, already currently acting. So you can get cannabis all over the state, whether in rural areas or in the big cities. So thank goodness to Missouri trying to find a way to get everybody access. Again, I'm Brandon Jones with Missouri Cannabis Report for We Talk News. Stay educated and medicated. Have a great week, guys. So did you hear about Europe's support for cannabis? Well, according to a poll conducted by London-based Hanway, over 50% of Europeans support legalization and over 30% use it regularly. Now, interestingly, unlike here in the States, Europeans don't want to grow it. They just want to buy it. 
Here's Stephen Arthur George with our European report for We Talk News. I'm Stephen Arthur George with SAG Advisory Services in Lisbon, Portugal. This is the European Cannabis Report for Weed Talk News. Majority of Europeans support cannabis legalization. This was just reported by Reuters earlier this week, and it poses the question, could Europe move before the United States? It's definitely not clear yet, but we do see some new momentum here in Europe and also now have public support as well. Over in Switzerland, the first cannabis wellness spa has recently opened. It will be CBD only at this time, and they will offer things such as yoga as well as massages. It's most likely a play on future hopes of adult use regulation in Switzerland. Up in the United Kingdom, a large UK media investor is getting into cannabis. Channel 4's investment division has invested in Canarac, a UK-based medical cannabis and CBD wellness company. This deal will increase their exposure on TV to a company who already has CBD products in over 1,500 retail stores. That's the European Cannabis Report. I'm Stephen Arthur George from SAG Advisory Services reporting for Weed Talk News. And finally, tonight, we all know that cannabis is still illegal on the federal front. And thanks to the 2018 Farm Bill, hemp is legal. Now, sure enough, a federal grant of over $200,000 was awarded to Kansas State to study the effect of hemp on cows' personality and behavior in their feed. That study was funded by the Department of Agriculture, and the conclusions were released this past week. Sure enough, hemp Munching steers spent more time lying down and had lower levels of stress hormone. $200,000 to tell us this? (sighs) Only in America. That's Weed Talk News for this week. For Elena Pinto and producer Tori Chamberlain, I'm Jimmy Young from Weed Talk News. Remember, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Use it responsibly. Cannabis Media Programming is available live and on demand on our Facebook page at ProCanna Media, on Instagram at ProCannabis Media, on LinkedIn also at ProCannabis Media, on YouTube and YouTube Live on ProCannabis Media, Twitter at ProCanna Media, and on twitch.tv backslash ProCannabis Media. So like, share, and subscribe to all of our content, newsletters, and shows live or on demand. We are Pro Cannabis Media. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey there, this is Cheryl Murray Powell Esquire, and I'm the host of the Terps in the City podcast. I am a cannabis agricultural dietary supplement and trade attorney. I'm also a hemp farmer. And I've been recently named to the list of High Times Magazine's top 100 influencers in cannabis. I'm inviting you to follow me along my journey as I move back to New York to support the adult use market there. You're going to get a chance to listen to conversations with some of my friends along the way. I look forward to seeing you at Terps in the City.